lane bench. There's all kinds of excitement going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing flame. Yankers put it in the wind column. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get it going this hour. We are underway on Flames Talk on this Tuesday, December 12th. With Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, back in the saddle. My name is Pat Steinberg, and we welcome you to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Welcome back to Wes. First of all, good to have you back on the program. I appreciate that. We're happy to have you back. There is no place I'd rather be. Not Hawaii? Well, maybe Hawaii. There's a place or two you'd rather be, but we're happy to have you on board. Let's uh, dive right in this hour. Let's talk some Chris Tanev because I've got a question that I don't necessarily want to ask, but I feel like it's a fair one to ask knowing the situation. And that's as we get inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. So the Flames are going to be without Chris Tanev for at least one game. He will not play Tuesday in Vegas with an upper body injury. And let's be honest, it'll be a second game he's missed because... He got one shift and 15 seconds in before sustaining that injury in Monday's 6-5 loss to Colorado. 15 seconds in, which forced the Flames to play with five defensemen all night long. So day-to-day, upper body injury. Uh, He absorbed a a really, really um, hard hit from Ross Colton. What do we actually think of the play itself? I've, I've watched it a lot. Uh, there was no penalty on the play, uh, and there's no supplementary discipline coming from the league. What did we think of the actual play that knocked Chris Tanev at a Monday night's game? You know, I I just watched it a few more times, knowing that we were going to have this conversation, and I think you you sort of raised two potential outcomes. I I do take umbrage with there not being a penalty on the play. I I thought because. Chris Tanev was in a vulnerable position because I personally thought that Ross Colton did have enough time to let up a little bit more than he did. I do think, especially 15 seconds into a game, that's a really easy minor penalty for boarding. And so I think I take umbrage with the fact that there was not a minor penalty called on the play. That said, to escalate it to the level of supplemental discipline, should this have been something that George Peros and his staff were taking a look at? I don't believe so. It, it was a little bit of a blindside hit on a vulnerable opponent, but I don't think there was much more there, at least from my vantage point. And it's a lot easier to slow it down a dozen times than it is to call it on the ice. But I don't think there was much more there than a minor. It, what uh, do you think of it? The, so after watching, and I, I've watched it slow, I've watched it fast, watching it in real time, it, it looked like Colton was engaged on the hit and engaged in a puck battle before Tanev turned. And so it kind of felt like Colton was already engaged. And so I just don't know what else he could have done once Tanev 
turned his body. Now, now I'm not, that, that's not one of those situations. You know how a lot of times you hear like, well, what about the onus on the play? Like, I don't even think Tanev put himself in a dangerous spot. He was going on instinct to protect the puck, and Colton was going on instinct to finish a check to start a game on a hard four check in what was a puck battle. It, it, it to me, felt like a bang-bang play. Could there have been two for boarding? Maybe. Did they need to take Hannafin for the retaliation? No. Like, I didn't think Colorado should have gotten a power play out of it. Right. Um, so you could have gone two and two or nothing. Um, but I, I just definitely didn't think it was dirty or reckless or anything like that. It just it felt more like a, a really bang-bang, unfortunate play. And, and I know on the broadcast, they showed Ross Colton's hit on Jack Hughes. Like, these two were not in the same conversation. I, I did not like the hit on Hughes at all. I, I didn't think that, you know, the one thing I guess th that sort of sticks out for me and, and maybe I'm splitting hairs here. It's not like Tanev totally turns once he gets the puck. He, he was already sort of turned away from Colton. And I guess with the respect factor, you'd like to see a guy let up a little bit more in that scenario. But I, I, I agree with your assessment that it's a bang bang play. I thought it should have been a minor for boarding. I, I do definitely think that it should not have been an avalanche power play coming out of that. But if Chris Tanev's not injured, it's not a hit we're talking about. Right. Right. It it doesn't it's it's the sort of hit on that borderline blind side that you see all the time. And so, you know, are, is this debate based more on the result? Probably. And it just it felt like a it just felt like kind of a freak accident that it transpired the way that it did. Like for Tanev's head to make impact right. on the end glass, just feels like nine times out of ten that doesn't happen, and on this time it does. Anyway, fact of the matter is they're without Chris Tanev for a little while here. And if if I can jump in, yeah, absolutely, really quick, I I think and being here in Calgary, it's. It's tough for either of us to get a great read on exactly what the injury is. But the fact that today's roster moves were what they were. Nick DeSimone recalled Matt Coronado sent down to make room on the active roster. The fact that Chris Tanev wasn't immediately placed on injured reserve, I think is a hint that it's not especially severe. And they labeled him day to day. And not week to week. They put the week to week classification on Jacob Markstrom, and it might be less than two weeks. Like, I don't think Markstrom's that far away. Uh, I believe he's resumed skating now. And uh, I, I don't like, I don't think he's going to join him on this trip, but don't know that for sure. But I don't think Markstrom is that far off from returning. So they classified that as week to week. If he plays, on Saturday or Monday on this two-game homestand, that would be two weeks, and they classify that week to week. So what does day-to-day mean? So it, it does feel like it's a whole lot less significant for Tanev than it could have been. And yet, and, and we definitely know what this team looks like without Tanev in the lineup, and we know that they, a lot of times, look like a, a different team defending. It's a big loss. So I guess the question that I have that I don't necessarily love asking is, we know Tanev's situation. We know he is a pending unrestricted free agent who has drawn a lot of interest around the league. We just saw him block a puck with his face a few games ago. He left and was fine, was able to come back and play the next game. 
Here he leaves, doesn't come back, which means it was something that he couldn't play through for that night. I just wonder, because he is such a hot commodity, as we're told, on the trade market, and I do think that he is the type of guy that teams would be all over looking to get their team to the next level in a trade. Does watching that in Colorado up the urgency to trade Tanev if that's the direction they're going to go? And we don't know if they've made that call yet, but if trading Tanev is the road they're likely going to go down, does it up the urgency or desperation level if you're Craig Conroy to make a trade because we know the type of leverage you lose if your guy is injured, right? Well, it's a perfectly fair question. Before you you feel any sort of guilt about raising it today, it it's the question that so many people were asking themselves as, as they watched that hit play out and they watched a, a hunched over Chris Tanev exit that game in Colorado last night. The I guess maybe to start by by reminding everyone of what my stance on this has been dating back to training camp when we first started discussing it. I've always been of the mindset that the risk you take is ultimately worth it to try to maximize the return for Chris Tanev. And I don't think that my mind on that has changed after what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. We know there's an increased risk of injury with the way Chris Tanev plays the game. And yet, unlike the blocked shot with his chin a couple of weeks ago, last night is one of those sequences that could have injured any player, right? right? Last night was not a result of Chris Tanev being a guy who's more willing to put his body in harm's way to sacrifice for the team. Noah Hannafin or Rasmus Anderson or Jordan Osterley or any guy you want to mention could have just as easily been on the receiving end of that hit from a forechecking Ross Cole. And so maybe the blocked shot a couple of weeks ago would have actually swayed me a little bit more. I, I just think because of, of the reputation that Chris Tanev has throughout the league, and, and that's a reputation based not just on his ability to defend, but on how he operates a, as a pro and how respected he is in the locker room, how willing he is to play through pain, all that sort of thing. It's going to make Chris Tanev a really hot commodity at the trade deadline. And if I'm Craig Conroy and I've decided that I'm going to cash in that chip, I just, it's easy for me to say, cause I'm not the one pulling the trigger, but I'd wait because I want to maximize the return. This is uh, Frank Saravalli, who joined us uh, earlier in the first hour of Flames Talk on this Tuesday and asked him the same thing about waiting or doing it now and the type of interest that exists on Chris Tanev as we sit here in mid-December. Really what the Flames are trying to sift and sort through is what's the ceiling? Is there a chance that we can get to a late first-round pick for Chris Tanev? And... Will we only get there by waiting? And then to your point, the question about the injury is, if someone is offering us a second right now, what do we do? Are we better off trying to dig for more? Are we better off trying to continue to compete for a playoff spot? 
there's a lot of different parts of this to try and weigh that I think the Flames have have had to consider all different facets of it because um, they're not in a really comfortable position right now one way or the other. So that's Frank Saravalli with us on uh, the first hour of Flames Talk. And, like, I get the idea of waiting because I think overall I'm with you in that I think waiting until February and, and into early March, March 8th is this year's trade deadline, like, I think that is when you truly, especially with this player, I think it's different with younger players like Hannafin and Lindholm, who I think teams might look at as more than just a rental, or there, I think, are there's more of an opportunity that you get teams that look at those guys as more than just a rental. Chris Tanev might be a rental, might not be, could re-sign with a team that acquires him, might not. But I think you could see a contending team look at Tanev and say, yeah, you know what, that's that's a, we're okay if we give up asset X and Y and only have him for this playoff run because he's going to be that valuable for him. I just, I don't, if you're the Flames, you don't want to lose your trade chip and you don't want to have that trade chip no longer be um, in play. And the way that he plays and the close calls that we've seen, are you playing with fire if you don't get something done sooner rather than later? And I, I it's a big time dilemma. Yeah. I, I don't even know if there's a full on right answer. I lean towards maybe doing it sooner rather than later. You lean towards waiting and I don't think you're wrong. Like I don't vehemently disagree with you. Well, and I don't think you're wrong. That's kind of the dilemma they're in. Right. And and only Craig Conroy and and Don Maloney and their staff in Hockey Ops at the Saddledome, only they know the difference between waiting and yeah. reacting sooner than later, right? Is it is it a second round pick on January 8th and a potential first round pick on March 8th? Is is it no better than a, a second round pick on March 8th? but only a third round pick. Now, what, whatever that looks like, they're at least making a more informed decision knowing what the offers might be today and what the offers might be for less time, but also less salary, right? The, we all know the cap situation of contenders and also runs across mm-hmm. the NHL. Nobody's got any. And so... Yes, this is a huge dilemma, but what is the difference? What What is the difference in waiting? I'd be inclined to find out, but I don't think you're wrong for saying, <laughs> mm, I'm a little nervous about this. The one thing I will say is the Flames, even after trading Nikita Zadorov, from my vantage point, the Flames still control the market on defensemen. They still have arguably the two best available. No offense to Tyson Berry, who has a whole lot of defensive warts. And so until a bunch of teams are dangling similar defensemen out there, and I just don't see that happening, Mm -hmm. they do have an opportunity to kind of control this market. Yeah. I just don't want to see him in a spot where they don't, you know, all of a sudden we know how he plays. He comes back. He's a warrior this time. And then something else happens, and now he's out for – Two and a half months, and now your trade leverage right? is is really met. And I'm knock on wood that that doesn't happen. And honestly, to Tanev's credit, he has been quite durable for the way he plays since joining the Flames. Like 
We have not seen a long-term Chris Tanev injury. We've seen we've seen some that have kept him out for four or five games, and then he returns. Um, but he has not been out for an extended period of time since joining the Flames. But this is the ultimate risk that you run with any player. I mean, if if Chris Tanev goes into the boards at a slightly different angle last night in Denver, then what's the difference to the way that Jacob Pelche was injured in the preseason? And we're talking about a guy who's probably going to have missed close to four months of game action, the way I understand it, before we we see him in the Flames lineup yeah. again. And so, you know, if you're talking about a three- or four-month injury, then you're sailing past the trade deadline. And that goes for Chris Tanev, and it goes for Noah Hannafin, and it goes for Elias Lindholm, and it might go for guys like A.J. Greer and Dennis Gilbert, who you might try to see milk a little get. bit of yeah. a return out of. And, and so... Another conversation, if the Flames choose to go the route that I am pushing for, which is to wait and wait and hope to maximize the return and and not have it bite you in the you-know-what, you're going to end up in the, what do they call it, asset management? Is that is that what you're supposed to say when you scratch players a couple of weeks before the deadline? Yes. Yep. You're eventually going to go that route with Chris Tanna, but you can't do it yet. No, and, and, you know, I know when the Zadorov trade request came out, there were a lot of people on social media, even on our text line, who were saying, what are they doing playing Zadorov? Like, you, you can't play Zadorov. Well, you didn't know how long it was going to take to get the trade debt. You can't, could have taken three months to trade Zadorov. When it was all said and done, it took like three weeks. But I don't think you want to sit him for three weeks, let alone two or three months, just so that you protect the asset and when a trade's imminent, like if you know that something is close, well then sure. Yeah, yeah, you can sit him out for a game or two if you're knocking on the door to a couple of things. But I don't think you do that just because you're like, well, I think we're going to trade this guy, so we're going to sit him. I don't think that's the best asset management either. It's really interesting dilemma. And then the other thing that goes into it, you know, we talked about this with Francis on Friday's show of last week. Vickers and I got into it last week as well. There's also the whole idea of, how much, how much value is there in potentially retaining Tanev, right, and and signing him to an extension, and by not trading him now, you keep that door open as well. And the reality is that we won't know the right answer to this question for years to come, or maybe ever. Right? If you and I are sitting here on December twelfth, twenty thirty three. I, after a long career in media, have just saved enough money for one more Hawaiian vacation. And we're sitting here looking back on the Chris Tanev trade or maybe the Chris Tanev non-trade. A lot of it is impacted by what happens over the next two months. We could be sitting here saying, man, Craig Conroy waited till the day before the deadline and look at the haul he got and look what they turned that pick or that prospect into, and look what it means for the Calgary Flames in the long term. What a great trade. Or we could be sitting here saying, remember that time they waited too long on Chris Tanev and he got injured six days before the trade deadline or six games before the deadline and they ultimately couldn't move him? Yeah. We could be having either conversation, right? And that is the dilemma that Craig Conroy faces because it'll be years before we know the right answer. Yeah. There's a little bit of, to use a golf term, I, I read about it sometimes. You're there, written about it? A little bit. 
It's a little bit of risk reward here. Like instead of laying up, you take that shot. Yeah. I always lay up, but I'd wait on Tanev because it's not me as the GM. And look, even in golden tea, I always lay up. Yeah, so some guys do like the <laughs> A3s. I'm just taking the straight shot. You know what? You know, I'll it, take the easy hey, bird. You go for your eagle, it takes, fancy boy. You know, it takes a lot of guts to lay up in golden tea. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Some of these hey. people playing golden tea, they know like, okay, well, on this hole off the tee, if you go C3, you can get it right onto the green, but you got to go seven. You got to go seven to the right, then a C3. You'll get it on the green every time. How do you know that? Like, You've spent how much too are much you spending here. on You've spent too much tea? time here. Hey, let's talk golf for 30 seconds. I know this is Flames talk, but there's a Flames tie-in because the Shaw Charity Classic, which continues to be such a terrific story for our city, and this summer featured the first ever Rogers Legends of Hockey Skins, Skins game. game. Mackenzie Weger, Mike Vernon, Cassie Campbell-Pascal, Marie-Philippe Poulin, on and on. Shaw Charity Classic announced today $18.7 million in donations for 2023. It's not bad. Staggering. Yep. And a five-year extension from Rogers now completed their merger with Shaw as title sponsor. Not so bad. good little good little plug at the end. Uh, you know for this Rogers entity. Hey, that's how you get the Christmas bonuses around here, right? It's pretty incredible what they've uh, it what really they've is created over Kudos the last to them. years. Yep. Um, that's our look inside hockey. Um, Inside hockey on this Tuesday for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op, shop online, or in-store today. Okay, Tanev, no Tanev, Monday night. That is a massive missed opportunity for the Oh, boy. They had an opportunity to start off a grueling three-game road trip with a quality win over the Colorado Avalanche, the 2022 Stanley Cup champions who were reeling. You went into their building, which is loud and hard to play, and you made you made Nathan McKinnon look like a frustrated player for two periods. You made Miko Rantanen continue to wonder when he's going to score the next goal, and then all of a sudden, the third period happens. And, and I actually... Like you take a look at how the game how the game played out. Flames seemed like they were. They, it wasn't just five three after forty. It was five three after fifty. Then they get the bad bounce, and that pinball puck goes right to Ross Colton at the right side of the net, and it's five four. And I was like, I don't, I don't like the body language on this. And next thing you know, it's five five and six five, and four minutes and ten seconds later, they're trailing and they don't come back. But you know, there were so many positives. You had Manjapani snap his not his his goal scoring drought at nine. You had another really impressive and big goal from Connor Zary. Sharon Govich scores a, a big goal. The Noah Hannafin. Oh my! How about that for your two hundredth career NHL assist? Hey, on Noah Hannafin, Nazem Kadri huge game against his former team. There were a lot of positive things, and yet it's really hard to look at those things when you cough up a lead and lose six, five in regulation and get nothing for it. Like even if you're on team tank, that one stings because they played a really solid game. And now you've got this quick turnaround into Vegas to take on the defending Stanley cup champions and the number one team in the NHL off of that, man, that, that was a big time missed opportunity to start a tough road trip off 
with a win and two points, and instead you get nothing for it. Yeah, it felt to me like one of those games, and and this is probably oversimplifying it, but when you've pulled a few rabbits out of the hat of late, you know, when you've pulled off some third-period comebacks on nights where you got off to a slow start or, or maybe weren't completely deserving for a, a big chunk of the hockey game, last night was one of those ones where you kind of pay it back because the Calgary Flames certainly deserved a better fate. I, I thought they ran out of gas. I know I know we haven't talked a, a lot about the flu bug that made its rounds of the locker room, but I thought that was a group that down to five defensemen with several forwards in the lineup who I know are recovering from illness with a goalie who was scratched from his last start because of illness like that. And I don't put it out there as an excuse, but I just saw a Flames team that absolutely ran out of gas. And I think once it became 5-5, ran out of belief too. Could just kind of feel the the snowball building. And it is a squandered opportunity. It's a, a game that you played quite well in, that you got offensive contributions from some guys you needed, mm-hmm. that you got unheralded contributions from some guys like Dennis Gilbert probably played the best game of his NHL career last night in a surprise big minute situation. And so you let a lot of that go to waste last night. And the trouble with it is that instead now of hoping to come out of a back-to-back with a, a split at worst and have an opportunity to now potentially pull off two in a row, you have to go in on short rest and beat the defending champions to split a back-to-back. With no Chris Tanev. Also with no Chris Tanev. Yep. Not, uh, and now you're three games below 500. Yeah. And this quest, you got to win. You got to win four more than you lose in a stretch of time to get yourself above the 500 mark, which they haven't been since game one of the season. Am I correct in that? They haven't yeah. been above 500 since they started 1-0. They've been at 500, but they haven't been above 500 since game one, I believe. Were they ever 2-1-1? One, and one? No. They went. They were 1-1-1? One, one, and one. Yeah. I might be wrong. Anyway, it's been a long time. I'm just going to go quickly and, confirm that. And we've talked about it, right? We've sat in these exact they were, chairs. Sorry, 2-1-1. One, one. after yeah. Buffalo. They were 2-1-1. One, and one. We've talked about how tough it is to, to finally claw your way back there, how difficult it is to stay there when it feels like you're just chasing it all season. And... Now they're in a tough spot. We're gonna we're, we are gonna learn something. I, I think this phrase gets thrown around probably too often, but I think we're gonna see something about this group tonight. This would be an easy one to mail in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This would be an easy one to to wave the towel a little bit on. I'm I'm curious, fascinated even to see how Dustin Wolf, uh, you know, a rookie goaltender fares against one of the the most intimidating offenses. Yeah, it can run a little hot and cold, but you got Jack Eichel and Mark Stone and a building that absolutely rocks when the offense gets going. I'm, I'm curious to see Dustin Wolf. I'm curious to see how they manage the minutes and personnel on the blue line. You know, there's a lot. I'm curious to see if, if Nazem Kadri and Andrew Mangiapane can build on some of the chemistry I thought we saw last night and on and on. But mostly, I'm just curious to see what the Calgary Flames yeah. have left. Well, and and I will, I will say, you know, for those who are maybe a little leery of the injury situation with Tanev and playing him, but also knowing that you could potentially get a great return for him, you know, three games below 500 is this tough road. Maybe 
maybe is this month of December, which has not been anywhere near as strong as the month of November was, maybe this helps get the Flames a little bit closer to a definitive decision on which way they're going to go and how they're going to approach these pending unrestricted free agents. We'll see. A few texts, 960-960. Um, Matt and Cochran, hi, representative, te- representative of Team Tank here last night was great. This says Team Tank doesn't care, lots of positives and a loss. So there's the, the Team Tank side of things, a couple of texts there. Uh, and then these, on uh, a couple of good ones on TANF I want to read. Uh, starting with Kevin and Carstairs, uh, I feel the Flames have received complete value from Tanev, and even if they don't get anything for him as far as trading him, um, I feel they've received full value for his position and what he signed for. So if they want to take some risk to help develop players until the trade deadline or to make the team better or to increase their trade opportunity and it fails, I believe that Tanev gave everything he had when he was part of the organization and he owes nothing to them. And then Ryan and Cochran sums it up really concisely. They play him, and if healthy, they trade him. If unhealthy, they re-sign him. Either way, they win when it comes to Chris Tanev. If Chris is cool to re-sign and if they can come to an agreement. Yeah, let me, uh, was it Kevin and Carstairs' first text? Yep, yep. Yeah, great text, by the way. I I think you're absolutely right. And, and certainly, I don't believe anyone is saying that Chris Tanev owes the Flames anything or or that he's been anything except a home run signing for this team. It, it's just the tightrope act of, of now. Yeah. Y- despite what you've got out of them, you're still trying to figure out what asset you can get for anyone that you're looking to send out the door. I think that's the tightrope walk that Craig Connor is on right now. It's uh, Pat and Wes. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk. Hey, Porsche Center Calgary has new inventory in stock. There's a great mix of all models, including Taycan, Cayenne, Macan, and even some sports cars. Porsche Center Calgary has unprecedented offers like no luxury tax on 2023 Taycan models and 3.99% lease rates on 2023 and 2024 models, plus Macan S and GTS 2023 and 2024. 24 models are available with 6.99% lease rates for up to 42 months. Uh, offer ends at the end of the year. Offer ends December 31st. Visit PorscheCenterCalgary.com. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hey, just quickly, because uh, we are Flames Talk, and we like to, we like to be all things comprehensive Calgary Flames. December 12th, 2023 is when we're talking to you right now, which means we are exactly 10 years removed from this announcement from then President of Hockey Operations, Brian Burke. This morning, I relieved Jay Feaster and John Weisbrot of their duties as General Manager and Assistant General Manager, respectively, of the Calgary Flames. Um, I'm going to serve as Acting General Manager until a new GM is hired, but that search has already begun. We have received permission to interview one candidate already. We will seek permission to interview several others later today. Uh, I did not come here to be the general manager. I am not going to be the general manager other than for a short time. Uh, A couple words about Jay. Um, Jay's a good man, and he did his best here. He's a good person, and his fingerprints are going to be on this team for many years with players that he brought here like Sean Monaghan and other players. Uh, So I want to thank Jay for his hard work here and wish him well in the future. 
Uh, but my job when I came here was to assess the organization. I spent the first 60 days essentially reviewing the track record of the team in terms of trading and drafting, evaluating the staff, evaluating the players, evaluating the farm team, and reaching a conclusion and making a report to Ken King and to the ownership group regarding um, my conclusions and where I thought we needed to go as a team to take the next step. And my conclusion was that we needed to make a change to get to the next level. And that's why today uh, we took the steps we took and the search has begun. Can you believe that was 10 years ago? Making me feel old, buddy. We were. I can't believe that we've been on the beat for the last decade plus. We were both full-time on the Flames beat 10 years ago. I remember exactly where I was when I got the email. I was uh, waiting for the elevator. It was a game day. I was waiting for the elevator in my uh, condo, same place I'm in right now. So I'm in the elevator lobby on the 20th floor waiting for the elevator to come down or come up to take me down to the uh, parking garage and got the email that Flames have relieved Jay Feaster and John Weisbrod of their duties. And uh, Brian Burke held a news conference a little while later. And uh, 10 years ago, Brian would serve as uh, acting GM the rest of that season, traded Red O'Bara, didn't trade Mike Camilleri at the deadline, then hired Bradtree Living late the following April. And uh, nine years later, three steps away, and now here we are where Craig Conroy's in season one as general manager. Craig Conroy started as special assistant to Jay Feaster, he did. did he not? He did. Yeah. In uh, 2011 sometime, early 2011, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you were waiting for the elevator in your building, and I was uh, using the rollerball on my BlackBerry to scroll through. No, I have no idea what I was doing. <laughs> it's good. Good memories, though. Do you think they'll ever bring back the rollerball? Probably not. Yeah. Um, have you seen Have you seen that movie? No. Have you? Yeah, I have. Recommend or no? It's actually pretty good. Jay okay. Baruchel is really good in it. And, okay. Um, what's the Dennis from uh, Always Sunny uh, is outstanding. I know he's now. I can't remember the actor's name. I love him, and now I can't remember. But he plays Dennis in Always Sunny. Now I'm gonna kick myself. But he was great as Jim Balsillie. Um and it's actually a really good movie. Okay, um, I'm gonna check it out. Man, when they. They thought that this thing I'm holding in my hand, the iPhone, they thought it was ridiculous. What? There's no trackball. There's yeah. no, what are you talking about? I mean, what's your best case scenario market share? 85% or so? Come on. It'll never fly. Yeah, I don't know what. Now I'm on my, this is my 19th iPhone or whatever. It's been. I did now, have the BlackBerry Pearl, which I love. Yeah. Remember BlackBerry Messenger, BBM? Like That was a pretty big deal, too. Now, now when I text Two someone, marks. now when I text someone and it goes through green, I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, if what I do get, you use? What sort of tech green, are you running over there?" I'm like, oh. like Maddie Rose, grow really? up, yeah. And he's like, "Well, I'm not being a sheep. I'm not using a okay, yeah. Get okay. out of your green message, okay, Maddie Green, Maddie, a- Maddie Android. Okay, okay, really oh. impressive. Google Play Store. Um, let's uh, let's talk Connor Zary. Because, uh, well, let's talk Connors. Because, look, we know about McDavid. Right. I've we heard of him. We know about Bedard. Yeah, well, thank rings you, by the bell. Way. Thanks to Flash, by the way. Glenn Howerton's his name. Outstanding. He is perfect. Like, the, the, nobody could play Dennis better than Glenn Howerton plays Dennis. Anyway, um, Connor McDavid, Connor, Mc, yeah. Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard. What, eh. yeah. what about Connor Zary? And I say that in jest. 
But Connor Zary, as, as Tuesday night is the first ever Bedard-McDavid meeting, you know, Calgary's Connors made a pretty big impact as well. And I'm not comparing him to the best player on the planet, and I am not comparing him to the number one overall pick, who is the next generational player. But I am saying that what Connor Zary has done since joining the Calgary Flames has been pretty impressive. Like, he has given them a shot in the arm offensively that, A, nobody would have expected. Nobody saw that coming. And if you did, good on you. But I certainly didn't see it coming. I, I thought he was going to be a decent NHL prospect and could probably be a decent NHLer. But for him to step in and make an offensive impact immediately, scoring a goal in his first NHL game, right now he's number two in rookie points per game in the NHL. I did not expect Connor Zary to give Calgary's offense the shot in the arm that he's given them. And I think he is a huge reason why the organization is feeling even more confident about going in a younger direction here because of what they've seen from Connor Zary. Yeah, he, he's really, I think you said on, on the round table or, or perhaps just in the last segment, he's been a revelation for the Calgary Flames. And I really believe that there were few inside the organization who thought that Connor Zary was, would be, I'm sorry, capable of what he's doing right now. You know, like we were talking about a guy and, and when you'd chat with scouts or, or development staff, the concern was always his pace, whether he could realistically keep the pace. And, and this was as a developing center at that point in the NHL. Well, that to me doesn't look like an issue at all. His creativity has been a major asset to the Flames. His confidence has been a major asset to the Flames. And for a guy his age and with his level of experience, and by that I guess I mean inexperience, he's been really consistent. You know, he finds ways to impact it. Last night, another terrific goal. He, he finds ways to help this team, and he has been such a great story for the Calgary Flames. He should give them something to think about as they ponder a retool, and he should be a huge confidence booster for whoever's playing with the Calgary Wranglers. He wasn't tearing the AHL apart last season. He wasn't too good to be in the minors 12 months ago. And look what he's doing now. He does. I think he's showing his old buddies with the Wranglers, how sort of razor thin that difference can be. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I just finished doing the research and I'm ready to declare him probably a top four Connor in the NHL right now. <laughs> okay. Who's he? Who's he behind? Well, he's behind uh, Hellebuck. McDavid. Well, I'm, I'm pondering that one. <laughs> Bedard? Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, throw the rest of the mix. Connor Brown, meh. Connor Murphy, meh. I, well, do we, count, do we count Kyle Connor? No, that's a, that's that's a different season. Connor? That's a, that's a different type of Connor. Okay, so yeah, I, I'm ready to declare him the fourth best Connor and the best Zary. I'm I'm confident in both those actually. Yeah, yeah, I'd have no problem with that. Hopefully, Connor Clifton's mom isn't listening. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. Plus thirty four, it says here though. That's not bad. It is that's career. It is. I think that's probably career. It's uh, it's crazy to ask the question like, where would they be without Connor Zary this year? But where would they be without Connor Zary this year? And and we look. There's still more than half a season to go, but. He's got himself in the Calder Trophy conversation right now, and if that continues, 
would be the first legit Calder candidate they've had. I like I think Connor Bedard's going to win the Calder Trophy, but he'd be the first one since what Johnny? Johnny finished third in Calder voting in 2015 behind Ekblad, who won it, and Mark Stone came in second. Monahan didn't get a. He wasn't one of the finalists the year right. before, but I think was in the conversation with his Matthew goal Kachuk. I don't think. I, I don't think he was really considered. I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been quite some time. And, and you know, there's some credit to go around. We talk about Nazem Kadri and the impact he's had. I, I think Ryan Huska deserves some credit for immediately putting Connor Zary in a, a position to use some of his offensive abilities. This isn't a guy who started with Walker Dewar on one wing and whoever at, at center. This is a guy who was put in a, a position to immediately succeed offensively, but man, good on Connor Zary for taking the ball and running with it. Yep. Yep. Good on him. Uh, a few other things to touch on Patton West this hour on flames talk, Matt Coronado back to the American league. Uh, he came up for one game when the flames were battling with the flu bug played, hit the post in the, what they, uh, they, that was Saturday, the lost in New Jersey. So came in, played the one game was healthied Monday in Colorado and then sent back to the American league the day after, uh, that as much as anything, because they needed to make roster space for an extra defenseman, Chris Tanev on the shelf day to day with an upper body injury, Nick D Simone needed to come up. They only, uh, have 23 on their active roster, so they needed to make a switch. Uh, but uh, Matt Coronado back down to the American League, which has drawn the ire of of some people and and certainly been a talking point on social media. It's a it's a tricky topic for me, and, and just for this reason, I I need to see what happens in the coming days. I I don't believe, and as I've mentioned, I was on a beach in Hawaii, so I wasn't uh, totally tuned in, but. I don't believe the plan was to bring Matt Coronado up for one game, healthy scratch him in the next one, and then send him back to the minors. The, the, this whole roster shuffle hinges on Chris Tanev's injury and needing an extra defenseman. And so I don't think that I want to be too critical of the Calgary Flames for turning around and firing Matt Coronado back to the minors when the only other option would have been Connor Zary. And you weren't doing that, yeah. right? That's yep. the only other guy who doesn't require waivers on, I guess, Ilias. Eh, I'm too far into the weeds already. You, you didn't have another option to send down today. So before you get too fired up, whoever you are about Matt Coronado heading to the minors, you have to be aware of the situation that went into it. But I want to see what happens next because I do think the Calgary Flames believed that Matt Coronado had earned a call-up by averaging 1.29 points a game with the Wranglers. I do believe that they think he can be an offensive contributor at the NHL level. I need to see now, before I get too wound up about this one, how soon he's back. Yep. And he earned that recall when they needed a forward. He was the first guy they called. Yeah. It wasn't Klapka. It wasn't anybody else. It was Coronado. So he he earned that right of being the, the first guy up. I still think he can help this team. I still think he can give this team something they're lacking, and that is a shooting threat even a little further down the depth chart at five on five, a shooting threat 
on the second power play unit. So I get why they made this move. I'm just, I would just like to see him back up sooner rather than later. They're going sink or swing with, swim with Pospisil, with Solovyov, with Zeri. I, it, it feels like right now there's not as much trust from the coaching staff in Coronado's game as there are with some of the other younger players. Yeah. But I, I would like to see them go the same way, sink or swim at the NHL level with Coronado. I know he doesn't have the same pro experience as, as the three guys I just mentioned, but I, I think there'd be something to that myself. Yeah, I, and I think that's part of rewarding him for what he he's done everything you asked. In five weeks in the minors, he went down and produced a ton. And so now... He deserves the opportunity to show that he can bring that confidence back with him. But as a credit to Connor's area and a credit to Martin Pospisil, who, even though his game has tapered off a little bit, I, I believe has still had a positive impact. As a credit to those guys, it's getting tougher to find a spot to put Matt Coronado in the lineup. Makes you wonder what happens when Jacob Pelche is healthy as well. Right. When it comes to this group. Are we going to run out of time to rank the Matthews in the NHL? Yeah, we're going to have to do that another day. Okay, put that on the list for tomorrow. I'd like to do the Wesses and the Pats. Yeah, I'd rank high on the Wesses. I think you'd be right near the top. Uh, Wes Gilbertson. Who's number the number one Wes on Flamestock? Uh, he's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Uh, my name is Pat Steinberg. I would say I'm top two or three Pats on uh, on Flamestock. I at least put myself number three. Uh, thanks to uh, Taylor That's and Cam. That's a podium position. You know what? I'll just be happy to be there. <laughs> uh, thanks to Cam. Thanks to Taylor, our producers. That'll wrap us up this hour. And this hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.